The following message is brought to you by Branches Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.branchesfullerton.com. But we must be very careful in not thinking that if we just add some additional barriers, if we add some additional things, then God is going to be pleased with us. Now, some people take it too far. They say, well, you know what? God doesn't require us to, to gather. No, 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 no. God does require the people of God, his people, to gather. He requires his people to gather. You, you are not to neglect the gathering of the saints. The scriptures make it clear. Just read Hebrews 10. Some will, some, there's some. Evangelical Christians in our day, it's like, man, you're going too far. That's, that's legalism. That's, that, when God says to do something, it's not legalism. It is to be adhered to. It is to be obeyed. Now, so what we see here in verse 16 and the verses that, that follow is a sprinkling, a little bit of, of old Judaism with some additional tradition. So verse 16, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. He gives this command. Don't let them sit in judgment of you on questions of food and drink. Now, what's interesting is when you look at the law, um, Paul, Paul here is adding drink, but really there's uh, minimal, if any, stipulations on drink. There's some places we can go, but this seems to be an additional, uh, an addition. This seems to be like rabbi traditions that people would, 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 would put out there. But he goes on to say, with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath, he's referring to all the different types of Sabbaths in the Old Testament. But the point is this, he says, these are a shadow of things to come. Now, these things, like festival and new moon and Sabbath keeping on the Saturday for the people of God or, or certain dietary restrictions and preparation to, to be clean, to enter into temple for worship and so forth, these were required under the old covenant. They were. But they have been fulfilled in Christ, so they're no longer required for the people of God. That's one of the distinctions we need to understand. These dietary restrictions, these, these days, these, these, were, these were fulfilled in Christ Jesus. He doesn't need to tell them about circumcision. He shows them earlier in the passage that you're circumcised in Christ. You're actually in the covenant. In the old covenant, to be in step with God's covenant, you needed to circumcise the male sons on, on, by the eighth day. This was a requirement. It is no longer required. We, as Christians, are not required in the new covenant to be circumcised. But Christ has done it for us. We are in his covenant. We are in the new covenant. The point that he's making about these things, because we can go on and on about discussions of understanding what it means to be clean and unclean, how to enter God's presence. And we enter God's presence through the temple who is Christ, by the way, these are shadows. These things were shadows. We, we know what a shadow is. We know what Paul means when he talks about a shadow. When we walk around, when we look at a tree and see the shadow, the shadow of a tree is not the substance. It is a shadow. It's, it's, it's like put on there from light. It's above my pay grade, but I know it happens. But it's not the substance of the thing. When I walk around outside, when you walk around outside and there's a shadow, that shadow is not you. It's a shadow of the substance, which is you. Paul's point is these things, in keeping with these things, they've been, they've been fulfilled. They were actually types and shadows of the substance which belongs to Christ. Christ is the substance. So how in the world, why in the world, would you submit to these regulations when 
the way you, you deal with the power of the flesh is not by the shadow, but by the substance who is Christ. That's what he says, but the substance belongs to Christ. Therefore, let no one judge you. I need to say this also. Um, it's very tempting in our day, um, in a world where we are very concerned with judging and being judged, that people, I've heard Christians, they throw out things like, hey, don't judge me. Don't you judge me. Well, actually, the Bible does require, to make, require the people of God to make judgments. We do have to make judgments. Um, within households, we make judgments within the church. The, ch the church is given authority to make a judgment to even kick someone out of the church, to excommunicate them. That's a judgment. Or how about in the, in the, in the governing world, the government is, government is to be a servant of God. They actually are required to make a judgment. Someone murders another man and the evidence is way and it's true and everyone saw him do it. They, a judgment is to be made and that person should be dealt with accordingly. Judgments. We cannot say as the people of God, you can't judge me for anything. This is not true. We need to understand that there is appropriate judgments that need to be made. And he's saying, don't let these guys, therefore let no one pass judgment, sit in judgment on you in questions of food and drink. In other words, just ignore them. You're not to listen to them. Now this might seem odd, but these types of things are still tempting in our very day. When we get to a place where we think we, need to, we want to hold other Christians accountable to eat our types of foods or drink our types of drinks, as strange as it sounds, it does happen. We're not to bind each other on some of those, those matters. And he goes on. He goes on further to, um, to talk about not only that type of judgment, but also he says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. So he, he says, first of all, don't, don't let them judge you in this matter, but let no one disqualify you or um, uh, from you from insisting on asceticism. Some of your translations could say something like false humility. That'd be more than appropriate translation for the text right there. That's what he's talking about, a false humility, it, uh, which really is, uh, I think, a good interpretation would be asceticism. Asceticism is, is basically um, um, putting putting a lot of difficulty on the body, re refraining from foods and drinks as a religious act. Let no one disqualify you for insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Some of your translations might not say worship, but it might say something like invoking, which would be very close. I'm perfectly fine with this whole concept of them worshiping because I've, I've seen evidence where uh, there have been people that, that have uh, promoted the worship of angels and it being wrong. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puff up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, the head is Christ, not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. How do the people of God grow? Well, they grow by being connected to the people of God, the body and to the head. And he's saying those that promote this false, this fake news of fake spirituality, it, it has no power, it has no value in dealing with sin. And they lose connect, when they have no connection with the body, when they have no connection with the head who is Christ, 
They lose their ability to grow and mature. These are people that have gone a different way with strange teachings, believing in strange doctrines of worshiping angels. In other words, what Paul is saying is watch out for all these strange ideas. Don't be swayed by these man-made religions. You need to sniff them out. Hey, you guys, we live in a world today where a lot of that's bubbling up. There's a new, there's a new weird spirituality. I gave you like, just a very simple example. There's, there's others. Hey, look, if you really want to love your neighbor, like, you know, just close your church. My goodness, how come you don't love your neighbor? That's, that's a weird, strange, new spirituality. It's not love. Love. You know, I mentioned last week, look, we live in a world where there are Christians trying to promote um, gay Christianity as if that were a category that was acceptable. That is a strange, man-made religion. There's others that are more obvious, but there's more bubbling up, and we're going to have to be discerning. We're going to have to be watchful. We're going to have to realize, hey, look, hey, look, as we're helping each other as we're walking with Christ. We need, to, we need to know that those things, that fake news, fake spirituality, it's not going to deal with sin. Christ, the substance, He is the one who deals with sin. And we need to trust Him. And not in these new ways, new methods, new strange doctrines. This is why Paul is pleading with the people in Colossus, saying, don't let them judge you in this regard to food and drink. Don't be disqualified. Don't be robbed. Don't be defrauded by them. Don't you know that you know the one that triumphed? He is the actual triumphant one. You know him. If with Christ, in verse 20, you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. There's no need for us to get hung up about all kinds of different foods. Hey, look, you know, do people have personal dietary restrictions that they have to adhere to? I understand. You know, there's more, you know, there's some things that, that are way above my pay grade. You know, people writing papers and discussing things like, hey, if you don't play in the dirt as a kid, you're probably going to have more allergies. All that, I, don't, I don't know much about all that stuff. But we have been raised up in a world where it's like, stay super clean. All of a sudden we have more allergies. It's suspect. But I don't know really much about it. But I would just say when it comes to food and drink, the, the temptation is going to be, well, we need to impose certain views that I have about food and drink on, on my fellow brother and sister in Christ. And we have to be careful with those things. You know one of the way it creeps up in the, in the modern church in the last hundred years? I'm just going to say it. There's some people that are just so adamant against wine in communion. It's really like a twisting and confusion. You know, in the Bible, when, when communion was given, it was, it was wine. It wasn't prune juice. And you know what, to be quite honest, like um, Welch's wasn't even invented until a dentist handled it around the 19th century, just, just, so, just so we all know. These things go into the belly and they're destroyed <laughs> by God's design. Paul is concerned that they'd be duped or 
thrown off by some man-made religion. And he, what Paul is crying out to them is that, hey, look, you have Christ. You have the substance, not the shadow. Forget these shadows. You have Christ himself. These other things, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teaching. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Historically, there was a monastic group, and I can't remember the name of them, but I read them years and years ago. It was really fascinating to me and just really odd. Some of you have read them, you've heard about them. But you know that there were some Christians historically, I think about 15 or 1700 years ago. I, I can't remember exactly. It wouldn't be too hard to find. I don't know how many. I don't know if it was, it was a lot, but there were some brothers that were convinced of an aesthetic type of life to where they would live, they would make their dwelling on a pillar as to avoid the wickedness of the world around them. They would live on a pillar. A pillar. I don't know how they ate, drank. I don't know how they did other things. I don't want to know. But they lived there. They made Hindu monks look weak. These were Christians. These were, well, maybe Christians. Maybe Christians that got duped by some bad ideas. But their desire to be so far away from the world, they had this, they had this drive, this, that they, they, just, they had this um, new, based on some fake spirituality, would live on a, on a tower, free from the world. It seems far-fetched and insane for a Christian to do such a thing. Like, that's something they did 1,500 years ago. You know, in the last couple of years, there are a lot of things that seemed far-fetched and insane until the last couple of years happened. I mean, we used to look back on Nazi Germany and think, how did people ever fall into that? How could Christians fall into that? Paul's warning today is just as relevant today as it was then when they were penned for the people of God. I want to remind you, it's fake news, fake spirituality does not work. Why doesn't it work? It looks like it works, but it has no power or value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Let me close with these thoughts. They want to deny the flesh, but indulge in the flesh. Instead of freedom from the world, they, those heretics among the Colossians, they were enslaved to it. Instead of devotion to God, they were devoted to the teaching of men. Instead of humility, they were full of pride. Extreme abstinence is not obedience to God or its spirituality. It is the focus on, it is just far too a focus on the material world. Brothers and sisters, we have the substance, we have Christ. Let us put our rest and our trust in Him. Let us be careful not to be duped by the world that we live in. There is plenty of craziness to come. Our main concern is not the world. We want the world to know Christ. But for the people of God, we must take care that we are not duped by the false spirituality, the fake news of this world that we live in because He, Jesus, disarmed the fake news of the fake spirituality. He alone triumphed over it. Let's pray.
Thank you for visiting Branches Fullerton on the web today. For more information about Branches Fullerton and our mission to share the good news of Jesus, please visit us on the web at www.branchesfullerton.com.